I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. How to increase your mobility and why mobility is important for runners. A lot of runners may laugh because we all know that we're not that flexible unless you're someone that stretches often. Running can sometimes just make you feel like a more stiff version of yourself. It's no wonder that a lot of runners don't love the idea of stretching or doing yoga if they're not used to it. We all want to do things that we're naturally good at, but when we sign up for that yoga class for the first time and we go in and we realize that we're maybe the only person that naturally can't touch our toes or we're lacking in that flexibility that other people have, it might be embarrassing and we might chalk it up to, well, I'm not meant to be flexible or I just don't have a lot of mobility. We are in such great shape with our running, but the whole flexibility and mobility thing is usually not our strong suit unless we diligently take care of that area. However, the more we run, the stiffer we become if we're not doing these mobility exercises. And then in over time, as a result, we end up having less mobility. When we are not able to complete simple exercises like a squat without a full range of motion, Things start to become problematic, not only with our running, but just in our day-to-day lives. As we age, mobility and balance tend to decline naturally, so running and not paying attention to your mobility on top of that can almost exacerbate the problem. Working on yoga and stretching and mobility can help a lot. There are a lot of benefits for runners, especially as we age, to start incorporating mobility exercises into your training. And so this maybe isn't the most popular topic among runners, right? It's just another thing on the to-do list that we're asking you to kind of take a look at and to incorporate into your running. But I'm going to caveat this with these are exercises that do not take a lot of time, right? So it's a simple, like, one to two minute thing that you can do every single day to help with the mobility exercises. Even doing them three times a week for maybe one to three minutes at a time can really go a long way because over time you're going to increase that mobility and just having that full range of motion can go a long way. But what ends up happening is that runners put this on the back burner, they don't think it's important. And then oftentimes people will end up having an injury or having repeat injuries because there is just this lack of mobility and therefore certain muscles aren't firing. You're not getting the full range of motion. And that's when imbalances can start to creep up. And I have with me today, Jason, who can talk a little bit about this process of having the repetitive injuries, just even from an athlete perspective or from a coaching perspective. I know that we have both worked with athletes 
who it just seems like usually they come to run for PRs because they're looking for the answer for the repeat injuries, right? Like they're on this injury cycle of, oh, like, you know, I just had this injury and then another thing pops up and then they have another injury and another thing pops up. And it's just years of being on this injury cycle. And so they, they are looking for answers and sometimes they end up coming around for PRs because they think we can have the answers there. But the reality is a lot of it is that underlying imbalances. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about what happens when you're caught on that um, injury hamster wheel and how these exercises can help you to get off of that or just avoid stepping on it in the first place. Yeah, this is a kind of a cool topic because when I think about this, it's sort of like a piece to the running puzzle, right? So we have our, our training, then we have like our strength training, our nutrition, our, our sleep. But this is something that is often very, you know, underrated. And I feel like the athletes that are able to just spend, you know, even if it's five minutes before most of their runs or, you know, 20 minutes a week doing these sorts of some of these drills that we're going to be talking about, I think it can really go a long way in you know, ensuring that you stay healthy and that you're also more, you know, better prepared for the workouts that are to come. Right. And a lot of people, they've heard the the buzzword of running drills and people always want to know, like, when should I incorporate them? When should I do them? And my answer is always like, it doesn't really exactly matter when you're incorporating them. It's just as long as you are incorporating them on a regular basis, because a lot of these running drills are actually mobility drills. So they're gonna help you with that mobility, opening things up and making sure that you're getting that full range of motion. Um, and so sometimes that can be something that's also done as a dynamic warm up before your run. Sometimes it's nice to do after your run. What are your advices when it comes to doing these drills and are there other ways to work on your mobility? Yeah, so I'm a fan of kind of doing them before run. Maybe it's because as I've gotten older, I just realized like sometimes it's hard to hit certain paces early on. Um, and so when I spend five, 10 minutes doing these before run, I'm, I'm able to really just um, feel better on the warm up, and then just my pace just progressively gets faster. And so, um, you know, back in the college days and high school days and, you know, athletes that are used to doing like track workouts and such, they would a lot of times go and do like a just like a 10 to 20 minute easy jog warm up, and then they would come back and do these sorts of warm up drills, we call them, before they get into like the meat of their workout. Um, and while, you know, that that's actually a practice that I still sometimes do today, depending on the workout, like if I'm gonna do a track workout or stop and do hills and, and that sort of thing, I'll do it, you know, I'll do it after that 10 or 15 minute warm up. Um, but if I'm going to do more of like a fartlek style run or like threshold, I'll just do them before I even start my run. So I'll do them outside in the driveway. And so I think placement is really important to think about how you're gonna, you know, structure them into the workout. And I would say whatever is the, the you know, the best way for you to make it happen would be the ideal way. So think about that, think about the time that you have to work with and maybe the place that you're gonna be doing these. Sometimes you might feel weird doing them, you know, in front of your house if your neighbors are walking by and that sort of thing. So you might wanna do it in an area that's a little bit more private. Yeah, and I guess just with the whole what are running drills, um, even just as a coach myself, sometimes it's like I know the basic running drills, but what are some of the ones that someone can incorporate right now, right away? And I know maybe it's a little hard to, to describe it on a podcast, but what if someone could just have 60 seconds, 90 seconds to incorporate a drill today or tomorrow, um, how would they do that? Like what would it look like? Yep. And so, you know, these, a lot of times you're only going to spend 10 to 15 seconds per drill. So it's not like mm. you need to 
spend, you know, uh, a minute on each one. But right. so to kind of start, I would just start with some like walking lunges where you're raising, or walking uh, marches rather, where you're raising your knee um, up to 90 degrees and that's kind of helping fire your glute. Um, and then you can go into um, like walking Romanian deadlifts, which is where you actually raise the knee up and then it kind of goes behind you as well. So you kind of kick the leg out oh, back. Kick it back. Yeah. Yep. And then you can just sort of start to progress into uh, I know Coach Brianna, when she put her video out there, she did the scoops where you kind of bend down and you like scoop your whole body. So you're engaging the upper body and the core. So you like um, bend your upper body down. Yep. So those are some of like the walking ones to start mm-hmm. with. And then I like, I like to do more dynamic where you're actually like marching like butt kicks, high knees, okay, um, so skips, like, B skips. Uh, yeah. Everyone knows kind of like what butt kicks are, mm-hmm. what high knees are. And I feel like these are a lot of really entry level ones and a lot of the drills that, you know, I know Coach Brianna has, um, we'll probably link to that in the video. We'll link right. to some sort of article where we can show some pictures or a video of some of these drills. But really, because you're a runner, we're going to focus mainly on the legs, right? So a lot of these are glute activating, um, hip mobility, that sort of thing. Um, other ones that I think are really important, but not so frequently done with drills would be like ankle and foot mobility. So do you have any sort of examples of what to do to help increase the ankle foot mobility? I was actually just reading before this podcast that uh, plantar fasciitis is actually one that is caused by the lack of mobility in the ankle foot region, which is really interesting because I am someone who has had plantar fasciitis twice in the last decade, um, seemingly coming out of nowhere. I always thought, oh, you know, it's something that happens because both the times, like I was, one of them right. was coming back from childbirth, maybe a little bit too quickly with my running, and then the other time was when I first started running. But there could be something to be said about the mobility there. And I know the last time I had it, um, just incorporating these simple like foot exercises. I know it sounds ridiculous, but even my podiatrist (laughs) said that like 50% of people who just incorporate these foot exercises, so simply like curling your toes and stuff, that can help eliminate plantar fasciitis which was insane that he actually had like studies proving that and and all of these um and doing like calf raises and stuff like that so i'm not really sure that that's that's more of like a strengthening of the foot but do you have anything where it's more specific to like mobility in that ankle area yeah and you brought up a good point about when you had plantar fasciitis especially the most recent time Mm -hmm. you know part of your comeback was a rehab plan where you incorporated these foot drill exercises each day and it really did help like eventually Mm -hmm. it went away and so it is really one of the best ways to prevent this and to treat it so um just a simple one is like uh, like wall ankle mobilization so you stand facing the wall with your toe you know with the toes on one foot against the wall and then you Kind of bring the knee oh. forward and tap the knee with your kneecap and then... So it's like um, a stretch. Yep, like you and then you'll, you'll straighten up. it. So you're kind of going back and forth with your knee going down and back. And then you kind of slide the foot back a little bit. So you're getting more of a stretch. So it's sort of like a calf stretch almost. Um, but then there's a lot of other things you can do. Like we used to do foot drills with our kids after mm-hmm. practice, uh, barefoot in the grass. Um, mm-hmm. Gave them an opportunity to really strengthen their feet and their ankle. Um, so you would basically walk on the ball of your feet, um, walk oh. on the heel walk on the outside okay and you're only doing these for like 10 yards each yeah. so you know probably doing it for about 20 seconds per per different exercise wow um and then it and then basically um you know recently too i've had a little bit of post tib uh which kind of 
attaches down to the plantar fascia and it kind of comes up the inner calf there. Um, I've had a little bit of post head pain. And so my PT gave me some foot exercises to do. And a lot of them were the ones I mentioned, but also just um, rotating back and forth, kind of putting the weight on the outside of your foot and then the inside, um, more like on the ball of your foot though. So you're kind of trying to curl the toes like off the ground a little bit. So curl the, the big toe off and put the weight on the out, outer toes and then vice versa. Curl the, the little toes off and put the weight on the big toe. And so there's so many different types you can do. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think these all go a long way. And when we think about mobility, yeah, like you mentioned, I don't just think of the warm-up drills. I think of mm. like these little preventative exercises if you're trying to, you know, if you have a nagging injury um, that keeps recurring, you know, incorporating these on a regular basis can really go a long way. Yeah, some of those foot drills that you mentioned, doing like barefoot in the grass for the college students, um, just, just the idea of like doing it where you're walking on the side of your foot, I can picture doing that right now and it, it, it would be so beneficial I think for maybe people who have a hard time with like running on trails because the footing, um, but I, I do think like that stabilization and the mobility in that area is so important. So I think that's something that someone could incorporate right away, right? So just working on um, walking on the heels, walking on the, the toes, uh, walking on the sides of the feet for sure. It can definitely help with the mobility and I think you know if you're not someone who's incorporating these things regularly just starting with something really small and like committing every day to like one minute of these sort of drills and I think obviously if you're someone who's injured it's good to go to a physical therapist just to make sure you're getting the right diagnosis getting the right treatment plan for you um, and if you have a history of injury, again, same advice. I always think working with your med medical professional team and getting that advice is super key um, because every time I've been injured, it's like you can read everything that you want online and there's a lot of great advice there and there's a lot of great advice like on podcasts and stuff. But in reality, it's like you when you are hurt, you really need someone in person kind of diagnosing you and walking you through. And sometimes that means going to more than one doctor, which a lot of people don't want to hear, but... Um, finding someone that really specializes in what has been flaring up for you, right? So there isn't necessarily going to be like a magic cure, but I think some of these things, if you incorporate them regularly, can help with the prevention of injuries. If you are currently injured, I think it's really important to find someone who can help with the current plan for what your injury is and then incorporating whatever it is, the exercises that they're prescribing. And so if you are a patient going in to see some of these doctors, the best questions you can ask is, okay, like what sort of exercises can I be incorporating? What are my spots of weaknesses? Um, do you notice anything else that maybe is contributing to this? So for my plantar fasciitis diagnosis, um, I was given like a little gait analysis when I was there. They obviously took like imaging of my foot and I was given a lot of perspective as to the anatomy of my foot and kind of like the whole diagnosis route. Whereas I saw a doctor before that who really didn't give me any of that. So it's sometimes it's going to more than one doctor. Um, and basically a lot of it all, it, it's just really interesting how the anatomy of the body, everything is connected. So what was going on, not that anyone really cares, but it's like, I have a little bit of a more flat foot. I had a little bit of like pre-arthritis going on like in my toe and all of that was causing like my arch to collapse. And so everything was all making sense when he was explaining it. And then he said, you know, 
the best thing you can do is work on strengthening your foot and that's gonna be really important and then getting the right type of footwear. So for a while I had to wear orthotics, but he also told me of being mindful of what type of shoe that I'm wearing. So something that has like a rocker and, um, for the toe box so that I'm not like slamming down on my toes because my toes um, lacked a little bit of mobility. And so when you're able to get that perspective and catered information that's so unique to you, that's really important because a lot of the times it's like you're getting this generic advice if you're Googling something um, and it's not maybe necessarily tailored to your specific situation. And I don't think I would have been able to fully recover and then nine months later run a 122 half had I not have gone to this specific doctor. Because like I said before, I was going to another doctor. He told me to do kind of some basic plantar fasc stuff. And um, not only was I not getting better, it was actually kind of getting a little bit worse. And that can be really frustrating because you think, okay, I'm going to doctor. I'm trying to get the right diagnosis. I'm doing all of the right things. And yet I'm still falling short. But sometimes, even though I love the doctor that I was seeing, he just wasn't giving me um, the advice I needed. So sometimes you really do need to go to a new um, medical professional if you're not um, seeing the results that you would expect after incorporating treatment for, you know, a couple of weeks or a month. Yeah, you know, a lot of good points there. And it kind of makes me think, um, you know, starting from um, doing these exercises on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So you're targeting a certain area, right, that may be bothering you. And if it's I've had the same same types of injuries with yep. the lower leg, like calf and Achilles and all that, and that can be similar to the plantar fascia as well. But a lot of the exercises you're doing are actually further targeting muscles further up mm-hmm. the leg. So a lot of glute and hamstring activation exercises, but then also like stability type exercises where you're balancing on one leg. So you're, you know, you're working all these little tendons and um, stabilizing um, muscles that maybe don't get worked when you're running. And so there's a whole slew of exercises, but I find that. Um, just spending five to 10 minutes before or after your runs, um, doing them pretty much daily, that can go such a long way. Um, I've also experimented with, you know, replacing one of my strength training days with like a full 20 to 30 minute session of just mobility. Um, So it sort of boils down to like whatever is gonna help you be um, the most consistent with doing these exercises, um, make it part of your routine. And so for me, I just kind of, you know, I started doing it before my runs because I feel like I'm more accountable to to getting it done mm-hmm. um, and I just feel better on my runs so that's kind of what I do uh, I notice if I wait and plan to do it after the yeah. run a lot of times things come up right I get on my phone I start checking email or whatever and I just um, it's so easy to just um, to neglect it yeah and so that's part of it is figuring out like what are you gonna do what's a realistic amount for you and then just slowly start to implement it but if you definitely have some sort of area that keeps recurring or popping up um, you got to find, you know, three, four or five exercises that are really going to help target and help prevent that because, um, you know, a lot of times rest doesn't really help heal running injuries, you know, unless it's a stress fracture or right. stress reaction. Um, if it's a mus- muscular tendon issue, we need to strengthen it somehow. We need to stimulate it a new way. And so that's where these, these exercises kind of come into play. Yeah, I think it was really interesting talking about how you do these drills before your run. And I think that can be a really good time to do them because they don't take a lot of time. And what you were referring to as like called habit stacking, um, there's a book kind of written on how to incorporate new habits because it is really hard to incorporate habits. So what habit stacking is, is where you take something that's already a habit, something you're already doing every single day, 
and you stack another new habit either while you're doing that habit or directly before or directly after. So this could be something like brushing your teeth right after you brush your teeth, you floss. If you wanted to add in um, like a new habit yeah. or mouthwash, yeah. yeah. Or okay. for you, you already run. So for you it was, okay, I know I'm already gonna go on a run, so I'm just gonna do my drills right before. And that works for you. Um, one thing that I was doing is I started doing my drills right away in the morning when I woke up because I didn't want to have to like worry about doing it right. later. So while I was taking like my vitamins and drinking some water, I would sit there and do my foot exercises, um, which is really easy to do because it only takes maybe like two, three minutes to go through all the foot exercises. So find a time where you're going to be able to do a little bit of habit stacking. So maybe that's before you run or maybe you're kind of crunched for time when you go on your run. So you really don't want to do it then. Um, maybe do it later in the day. So right after you brush your teeth or something, I don't know, find a time where you can incorporate this habit stacking. And that's why oftentimes we're finding that runners like to do it right before their run, or they like to do it right after their run, or they like to do it right before they do a workout. Um, and that's just what works because you want to make sure you get it done. There isn't necessarily like a magical reason as to why um, some people like to do it right then and there, because you can get benefits from doing these drills, even when you're not running. It's just the whole idea of the mobility. And I also liked how you talked about you strength train a couple days a week. And one of those days you literally do only mobility exercises or mainly mobility exercises, which can be huge. And I know they're not as fun to do. You're not feeling like you're really like doing a whole lot, which is kind of what's weird about these drills. Um, they're not, not they're not sore, hard, right? they're yeah. not hard at all. And so you can kind of almost feel like you're going through the motions, like, oh, you know, is this even doing anything? But the reality is it is doing something. And we talked about how as you age, you become less mobile. The more you run, the less your mobility is um, able to kind of come out. And especially as you are really stiff and you're going out on these runs, that's when it can just be really detrimental and you start not getting the full range of motions and things like that. And you oftentimes see this with people who strength train, right? So if they're not doing mobility with their strength training, you maybe are seeing that they're unable to go to parallel with the squat because they just do not have the hip mobility. Um, you're going to be able to see people who maybe aren't able to have a full range of motion in their ankle, those sort of things. And that's why it is really important to... Um, if you notice that you're lacking that mobility, I would start implementing things to get that mobility back. Even sitting in like a yogi squat, that can be really beneficial for just the hip mobility and all of those sort of things. Um, and I know just having like young kids around, it is really funny to like see the different positions that they're able to get their bodies in. Um, and it just is a reminder that like, wow, um, I need to work on some of my mobility because they, they're able to sit there and play um, like in the yogi squat position or in these really weird positions for a very long time. And naturally, um, as infants, as, as kids, we have a ton of mobility, but as we age and we sit there at our cubicles and we have these desk jobs or, you know, just over time we stop getting into those positions and so we kind of lose that mobility it's like you either right. use it or lose it sort of thing and it's also important to know like you may not be uh notoriously a, a flexible person right mm -hmm. but that's not the same thing as mobility like flexibility is about like how far you can stretch with one muscle right. or whatever but mobility is 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 referring to like the joints and mm -hmm. how well you can move and increase joint um you know power and all of that range of motion and so um, you know, doing these sorts of exercises can really go a long way. And I think um, for me, ever since I've started implementing them, I just know like not only do you feel better on the warm up, but performance starts to maybe go up as well. Um, things become a little bit easier. 
you know, and then I think back to um, warming up for games um, as a kid playing sports and even watching like professional sports athletes, they get there so early and they're out there warming up and a lot of what they're doing is like dynamic movements, right? To mm-hmm. really warm up their their um, key muscle groups that are gonna be used during those activities and that can really help with improving performance. Yeah, I feel like a lot of other sports are very good at um, doing this and right. kind of promoting this, but as runners, we can just think like, oh, okay, all we need to do is run. But in reality, we've talked about it in other podcasts, like strength training is super important, but so is this whole mobility piece. Um, it's just, it's super key. And I'm just like thinking back to before I really incorporated a lot of strength training, I remember not being able to go past even just like standing air squat parallel with a squat, just standing air squats. And during that time, I was constantly having like IT band pain. I was constantly having like anytime I would do like a hilly run, um, I would just have like this glute pain and I always was getting injured in, in the back of the leg. But it's like, I wonder if all those things were kind of connected because ever since I started working more on mobility and doing more of like the squats and the the back of the leg lifts I don't really have um as much a problem in that area and so sometimes I think it's really important to just take a look at what are things that are kind of repeating in our lives and say hey maybe if I took a season to really focus on adding in strength training adding in this mobility work maybe I'd be able to see um, a difference in how I'm feeling and like these weak areas can soon become your strengths um, and so drills can go a long way I know we kind of talked about some of the drills that you can incorporate Um, But I think I wanted to shift focus a little bit. Originally, this podcast was going to be about like mobility, um, flexibility and all that stuff. But I wanted to cover a little bit about yoga in terms of yoga for runners, that sort of thing, and why that might be beneficial for runners as well. Um, And a lot of that goes hand in hand with with mobility. Um, And I know yoga kind of works with a lot of different things. It, It can be a form of strength training. It can be a form of meditation and breath work. It can also help with some of the mobility exercises. Um, Do you think that runners can benefit from yoga and why? Uh, Yes, when I remember when we were doing it consistently one year um, leading up to Boston, I just felt really strong. Um, And it just, you know, think about some of the poses in yoga, for example, like warrior, warrior pose. So warrior one and two, a lot of times you're putting weight on like uh, one part of the foot. Mm -hmm. And so that's just working like more stability. And I think that the different poses, a lot of times they are dynamic too. So you're doing, Mm -hmm. you're like going through this cycle that you keep repeating like a cycle three times, maybe it's three or four different, uh, you know, movements. And I know you take yoga regularly. And so some of the differences in yoga are like the different, um, I guess classes that you right. can take too, right? They're they're called vinyasa, and there's you know mm-hmm. there's so many different types, and so um, yeah, I think finding you know some are going to be better for runners in terms of maybe more challenging. Um, if it's right. like a beginner, just yoga level one class, it might not be as as uh, beneficial for you as a runner. But I definitely think if you can figure out you know either a class to go to or a good routine to implement on a regular basis, it can it can help you. Yeah, I do think that it can be, it's a, it's very different, right? So running is, is like very high impact, very intense, like go, 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 like you're running. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in yoga, it, depending on what type of class you're taking, um, like if you took a class and you didn't know, maybe it was like a yin class, it could be extremely boring and like very slow. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's uncomfortable for runners. Um, whereas if you took like a vinyasa class, it's maybe a little bit more fast paced. And I think maybe some runners might like that a little bit more. Um, the faster pace it is, the more it's, it's like running and the more comfortable maybe we are. Um, but I definitely think there are benefits because it does, like you said, work with that stability. 
which in turn can help with some of the mobility things. Um, just working on balance and stability is hand in hand with mobility. And I think going to a class or d going through a video can help with the accountability piece. So um, it's easier to say, yeah, I did yoga today than, oh, did you do your like five minutes of drills? Sometimes that, the whole like five minutes of drills, you can feel like you're just going through the motions. It's not as fun. But if you incorporate something like a yoga, um, you maybe can realize, hey, I have a lot of other flexibility areas or mobility areas that I'm getting used in this class. Um, and then there's other additional benefits, right? So in addition to working on the mobility stability and maybe a part of strength training in there, you're also getting some breath work, which can also be really yes. important, right? So when we're sitting there, a lot of the reason that runners maybe don't like yoga is because it is more slow paced. It's like they're asking you to focus on your breathing and stuff. And I think sometimes runners, they just want to like crank up their music and they don't want to listen to their breath and all that stuff. So can you talk a little bit about breath work and maybe why that would be um, important for an athlete. Yeah, definitely. And thinking about some of the more challenging yoga classes I've been to with you, you know, those heated classes especially um, can be a great just tool for mental, like uh, per persistent, right? Like, mm -hmm. like just kind of pushing through that uncomfortable pace that they have you or that uncomfortable pose rather that they have you right. holding and focusing on that breath, keeping it as relaxed as possible. And a lot of times that those sorts of um, holds that you're doing are also working on stability. Like if you're doing some sort of like uh, thoracic bend pose or something, you're, you're working on your core strength, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I think there is a lot to it. And mm -hmm. I think the good instructors really know how to make it a full body workout. And yeah, if you mix in the heat factor or just um, some of those other uh, more challenging poses and making, making them hold it, I think it can be really, um, a lot more challenging, but more important that you're really focusing on slowing, slowing down your breath and just, you know, trusting that your body can, can hold the pose. Yeah. I think it's really different. It's mm -hmm. like you said, you kind of just sit in the pose, sit in the discomfort. Um, you almost have to like lean into the discomfort. And I think sometimes when we're running, it's like we keep pushing and it's more of like a pushing away from the discomfort, pushing it like pushing. But in, in yoga, it's more of like a stillness and just being still and leaning into the discomfort. So it can feel like, I don't know, a little bit harder, different mentally. Um, and yeah, a lot of the times people will try to like compare giving birth to, to running. And in my experience, I mean, I've had one birth without any pain medication and that was, I was like, no, the the thing that helped me was yoga because it's like you really just have to, when, when pain is coming, like learn how to kind of sit with the pain. Right. And I think that that is something that really I was only able to to practice in a yoga setting versus when I'm running. It's like when, when I'm feeling pain when I'm running, sometimes you stiffen up. Like you, right. you just push harder. You find some way to come. Right, you're you like, you're fighting it. You yep. fight the pain. You're like pushing past the pain. You're fighting the pain. But when you're in yoga, it's like you just have to sit with it. Right. And yeah, so I do think there is that whole like mental component. So if you're doing that in yoga, you're learning how to sit with pain in like a new way that can also kind of help you with a mental breakthrough, let's say with your running, right? So um, if you're better at handling discomfort and you have a higher pain tolerance or you're used to um, taking yourself outside of that pain somehow, you have like more coping mechanisms for that it can help you become a better athlete in general. Um, so that's another reason to do it. Obviously there was all that mobility and stability stuff. So even if you don't think there's that mental component, there definitely is. 
Um, and then talking about the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. So a lot of people have heard about the whole like fight or flight response. So Jason kind of talked a little bit about what the fight or flight response is. And do you ever think that sometimes within a training cycle, runners can get in this like fight or flight um, situation where they're almost like they're nervous system is on overdrive because of like the stress of training and how how do you like know if you're kind of like in that yeah um you know this is a tough one because a lot of times runners they you know i rarely get it when i'm running the only time i would is if like something startling happens to me um like a lot of noise and whatnot yeah in a race i'm usually i guess i've learned to just not freak out about things like if um if my pace is too fast or too slow, I have fallen before in races. So that is an example of a time where, yeah, everything you, you become in, in fight mode, right? Where you get back up and you, you just have to like, Oh my gosh. Like, but I think that for most, you know, for most runners, yeah, they might go through these phases where they experience it. Do you get it? Um, well, I think that maybe you have been in it and you don't realize it. So I know after a marathon, you've had trouble sleeping and have you ever been like wired? Like after you do a race where it's like, I'm not tired and you're like, why am I not tired? Or you sleep that night for like six hours, whereas like you would assume you would need like 10 and then maybe a couple days later you kind of like crash. Like it's like, oh my gosh. I'm so tired and, and you don't realize why it's happening. It's because like it's you were in that like wired state um, after oh, your sure. race because races usually will induce some level of like a fight or flight response. Like it, mm-hmm. uh, the adrenaline's going, um, you're getting super excited. Uh, and then, you know, it, maybe it takes a while for your body to really calm down from that. So sometimes, at least for me, and I know for you too, like after these really long races, um, I don't really sleep super great that the night after, like that night. Um, and then it's maybe a couple days later where all of a sudden my body is like able to get out of that um, like adrenaline state where it's like, okay, it's really hitting me, um, that sort of thing. Yeah, there's been a few times, especially after half marathon, marathon mm-hmm. races, you know, where like you said, it's you feel like you just want to pass out, but your body won't allow you to yes. because it's like your muscles are they're trying to like return to normal, but they just can't yet. It's going to take time because everything just got thrown off with your energy systems, um, regulating the bodily functions. And so, yeah, like muscles might feel twitchy or just like achy. Um, and so those are the examples. Yeah. I think some of like that whole adrenaline, right? So if you, if you're having trouble sleeping, if you're feeling like you only need like four hours of sleep and you can get by in your training, that sort of thing. That might be like a sign that, okay, your body is maybe in a overdrive. And I think it's better to kind of catch it while you're ahead of the game. Right. So if you're feeling that way after a really hard session, I think some of the things you can do to help engage your parasympathetic nervous system and to like calm your body down and kind of return to that normal state would be doing some of that breath work, doing um, some meditation, yoga, that sort of thing, trying to tell your body like, Hey, you know, like we're not in the race environment anymore. We're not doing the workout anymore. I'm trying to get things back down to that rest and digest mode. And that's going to be the one that's going to actually help with the repairs from training. Right? So maybe when you're doing a workout, you might have a little bit of that, um, adrenaline going, all of those things. You're kind of in the, in the fight mindset, but then afterwards you want to really make sure that you're able to flip the switch into that rest and digest mode so that's going to be doing things like making sure you're fueling properly making sure you're allowing time for your body to kind of calm down um giving your body signals that it's safe to kind of go into that resting mode and that's why i think working with breath work kind of doing some yoga that sort of thing can really help with 
the nervous system and all of those things. And, you know, maybe some people that's a little woo-woo, but it's definitely helped me because I do think that there were times in my training where I was kind of like in that overdrive state for a little while. And then um, being in that state constantly, you can't really improve as an athlete. You really have to have your body kind of switch into that rest and digest um, nervous system state in order to improve, right? So you really have to let your body have that recovery time and repair time. Yeah, you know, this makes me think of like after after a long run maybe on a weekend or something, you might feel so good after, <laughs> but then you might start to get a little yes. tired so you're like, oh, I need a pick-me-up in the afternoon. So you have this like oh, this caffeine beverage, yep. right? And then you can't sleep later mm-hmm. at night. So yeah, just something to think about. Um, like you said, lowering whatever you can do to lower your heart rate, your yes. blood pressure, um, that's going to be the, that's going to be the number one thing for you. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, like you said, kind of, if you are able to listen to your body, plan for extra rest, those those sort of things can go a long way because like you said, sometimes it's just, we live in such a go, go, go society. So it's like, okay, you do your laundry on the weekend. Then you have like four cups of coffee because you're trying to like keep up with your kids and all that stuff. But in reality, it's like, maybe you could plan for a little bit of a downtime or downtime activity so that you can let your body kind of have the rest that it's needing because I mean, I've, I've been there too, where it's like, you're just, you're, you're tired and you reach for the caffeine and then it just like stimulates even, even more, um, that you need to recover from later. But it's always good things to keep in mind and just being mindful that maybe those processes are happening is like step one, right? So a lot of the times people kind of go through the motions and they don't really realize what's happening. I know sometimes athletes will be like, yeah, like the fatigue didn't hit me until a couple days later. And it's like, it's usually because of a reason like this, right? Like you're riding that runner's high. Maybe you went out to drinks right after the race. You know, you wake up really early the next day and you can maybe handle that for a couple days, but then you have like this crash. And so it's just important to kind of like understand what's going on in your body on a physiological level. And then maybe you can kind of plan your um, day-to-day activities kind of around that so that you're able to really get the benefits of the rest and allowing your body to have that restful time is super key. So I guess just in review of a lot of the things that we've done so far in this podcast, we talked a lot about the benefits of mobility and I know you kind of talked about incorporating drills. So as a reminder for people, what are some like super easy drills that you can incorporate right away and when should they do that? Yeah, starting with like some of the walking drills, like um, marching, leg lifts, um, you know, body squats, those sorts of things. And you can get into the more dynamic, um, like A skip, B skip, butt kick, high knees, um, lunges, those sorts of drills. Um, And then what I call like the power drills where you're almost like you're running and then you do like a quick, quick foot down, quick foot strikes, that sort of thing, or even quick feet um, or quick, you know, accelerations, those sorts of things. Um, So kind of a progression towards doing... Uh, towards increasing, I guess, the speed and um, the dynamic range of motion. And so I would say before workouts, especially you want to focus more on like the dynamic exercises and movements. After workouts would be more of like the still exercises or stretches. So the the ones that you're like holding or um, trying to strengthen, you know, like one-legged balancing exercises or um, just like holding your calf stretch, those sorts of, um, those sorts of ones should be done after a, a workout. Or a run. Yeah, and if you find that you're kind of enjoying the benefits of drills and you want even more, sometimes just going to a yoga class and trying um, like a vinyasa or like a flow class can be just even more additional accountability and additional benefits in terms of flexibility, mobility, stability. 
Um, and I really enjoy doing that because it's easier for me to maybe sit through an hour long class of yoga than it is to, you know, do these drills every single day before my run. Um, and it's something else you can kind of practice and, and put in your pocket as maybe a hobby. Maybe it's something you and your friend do together. Um, there's just a lot of benefits to doing that. And then working on the breath work and the mental training aspect of yoga, sitting in those uncomfortable poses can help and it translate into the road when it comes to that mental toughness. Um, and then we did talk a little bit about the nervous system and how sometimes you can go into overdrive when you're doing like those hard races or hard workouts. So then just being mindful of making sure you're able to um, have your nervous system go into that rest and digest mode afterwards. So maybe not um, loading up on caffeine and trying to do like all the things and just being mindful of um, how you're engaging your body and mind uh, after those workouts because it is really important to get your body the rest that it needs in order to recover from those workouts because if you're not able to recover in between workouts then you're not really going to be able to get the benefit of the workout. So it's super important to be mindful of that and then um, yeah just incorporating the drills this one is a little bit shorter than most of our podcasts but definitely an important topic and something that a lot of people could incorporate and really see some great benefits from so if this is something you're interested in and you want a little bit of a piece of maybe accountability here or some strength training that you can incorporate that's specific to runners that maybe works on some of these mobility pieces. We have a program here specific for runners. If you visit our website at www.runforprs.com and you fill out the form on the drop down strength training, we can get you set up with a free week trial of strength training that helps with a lot of these mobility exercises and areas of weakness for runners and then if you're ever interested in getting a free seven day coaching trial when it comes to your run training getting specific paces for you workouts and help getting to your running related goals with a coach and having that accountability and a cheerleader on your side we would love to get to know more about your background and help you come up with a plan to get to the results that you want and you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com for a free seven day custom run training coaching. Again, that's www.runforprs.com. Thanks for tuning in.